Welcome, everyone, to the Friday morning review for Thursday night football Chiefs Chargers. Was it the game of the year was the thought going into this? I don't think we quite got there, but definitely entertaining and definitely included the biggest play of the year when it comes to win probability added or lost, when it comes to expected points added or lost. Um, we saw it all. We saw the whole game basically flip all in one play. Again, quick tempo. And picked off at the one-yard line. That is Watson out in front. Sneed to protect him as well. All the way for the touchdown. Unreal. It was a little bit unreal. You don't see mistakes like that from Justin Herbert too often, especially the way that they were marching down the field on that particular drive. Um, the particulars on this play, on that pick six for Watson, 99 yards for the seventh round rookie, Jalen Watson. So if you want to get like details on just how big of a play this was, I mean, I think we know from the score perspective, right? that it went from uh, Kansas City being 17-all, having just kicked a field goal on their previous drive, now being up by a touchdown at that point in the early fourth, fourth quarter, about five minutes into the fourth quarter. So, you know, that, that gives you some perspective on how big it was, but by the numbers, just a massive, massive play. So this cost the Chargers 12 expected points on this play. So just to quickly give you the expected points things, the play starts, you're expecting a certain amount of points on offense based upon down, distance, field position, all that stuff. The play ends, points have changed, field position has changed. In this circumstance, you have seven points now flowing over to your opponent. So the reason this is so, so massive is the play is starting first and goal from the three-yard line. So some quick math here, you could say that if the Chiefs gain seven points on this play, it's 12 overall is what we saw here. That means we're probably worth the expectation for the Chargers starting first and goal at the three is, you know, five, six points, something in that range. So almost a very, very high chance that they're going to score a touchdown there. And that's why that play is so massive. And you look at so far this season, now we're only a week into the season, but if you look at this 12 expected points that were lost on this play. The next closest play this season is around seven points lost. So this isn't double, um, doubly bad as far as what you lost there, but it's close. I mean, other pick sixes that we've seen this year, the Joe Burrow pick six, um, the DK Metcalf when he fumbled on first down on a little flare when they threw it out there on Monday night. Those, again, flipping it, and it's about seven EPA lost on those this 12 massive massive number um and you look at win probability on this one the chargers were a 69 very nice 69 percent chance to win pre-play pre that play first down and then it flipped to 84 percent kansas city after that after going up by the touchdown okay that play Obviously, it was huge, but let's get to all the details for the rest of the game, the way that I'm digesting it, and of course, our adjusted scores that we present every week, which 
downweight some of these outlier plays like this play here especially should be a downweighted play because we at least did not grade that as a turnover worthy play we looked at it like the cornerback had outside leverage that Everett should have floated into the middle now is there some element of it that was recklessness on the part of Herbert because the pass rush was coming and other things like that yeah that was part of it um Everett looked like he was gassed on the play he just caught a a pass and a run and kind of broke it through some tackles on the exact play. He was actually calling to come out of the game, but Herbert signaled to put the, put a one up and said one more play, one more play. They wanted to run and take advantage while I think they had the matchups that they wanted there. So there was some recklessness on their part. There was a risk reward that didn't pay off, but we don't even rate that as a turnover worthy play. And it was such a huge, huge play there. Whereas on the other side of the ball, Patrick Mahomes did have some turnover worthy plays that didn't end up being, um, interceptions. So for this particular game, the final score uh, was 27-24. We'll talk about all the decisions, everything else eventually, all the nerd talk, um, how they've 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 massacred our boy uh, Brandon Staley. That'll be a big theme of what's going on here. So this was a game that was again it ended up being 27-24. The Chiefs were a four point favorite. So Herbert risking his life coming in there at the end ended up saving a lot of people who bet on the Chargers either at plus four and a half, four. I think it even got down to three and a half at one point. So props to that. And then the adjusted score flips the other direction pretty significantly. 26 to 15 towards the Chargers. They were the better team in this game, in my opinion, and according to, to the numbers. Uh, so why? High level stuff. And this is going to be the high level stuff that's normally going to feed into why or why not um, a team looks so much better via the adjusted scores versus the actual scores in this game. Um, so just overall how successful you are offensively versus what your actual efficiency was on there. So in this particular game, the Chargers had a 46% success rate. The Chiefs are only 37%, so just a bad success rate for the offense. And they were a little bit better as far as their efficiency because they had some big, big plays, including a long touchdown pass where J.C. Jackson got burnt, um, including a, a couple of scramble drill type of situations where a long play to Travis Kelsey and then another touchdown to Jerry McKinnon earlier in the game. So they had those. that Their efficiency was okay for the game um, for, for the Chiefs, but – Overall, they just weren't as consistently successful. The Chargers were more like a 70% success rate percentile. Um, but their EPA was really low because of this, that huge play. That negative 12 EPA is just going to crush any efficiency that you had up until that point. It's such a huge, huge play. Now, there were some outlier-ish type of plays that held down the Chiefs a bit. One of them being when on third down, they tried to do some trickery and had uh, Nicole Hardman in the backfield and then ran it with them, and he got tackled. I think they lost two and a half, three EPA, probably the most negative play that they had in that game there. But nothing like what we saw for the Chargers, how things were were flipping back and forth on, on this play and on this game. And if we want to get into some of the grading on this, you know, the Patrick Mahomes discourse from last week, um, there's going to be some more discourse this week. And what I appreciate about Patrick Mahomes, unlike, unlike a lot of Chiefs fans out there, quite honestly, is he has a sense of humor about PFF. And 
and the grading. In fact, uh, he was being asked about the overturned interception by Asante Samuel Jr. and what happened on that play. And um, some people say, I saw this being sent out there as a shot at PFF. I see this more as having a little sense of humor about the PFF grading and what it means. Um, but got lucky enough that it bounced around, hit the ground, and I was able to get another chance at it. Um, I'm sure PFF will have me a low grade for that, but uh, I'll keep it rolling. All right, staying relevant there for 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 all the right for all the right reasons there with Patrick Mahomes get a little dig at PFF and uh, I think people are going to have a harder time though saying that he doesn't deserve a low grade for this game but there is some stuff where again I went over this in the last video where I agree with people that think that he may not be getting enough credit on some of these plays I mean for instance in this game um, just to say obviously there was a negative stuff so there was the he was credited with three turnover-worthy plays in this game. So that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt your number a lot. Now, he was also credited with three big-time throws. So he did have the more of the upside here. Again, that first game of the season, he didn't have any of the big-time throws. We didn't give that to him. But I think what you're going to end up seeing, though, is that the different wow plays that Mahomes had in this game, he has some wow plays where – they don't get classified as a big-time throw because maybe the throw itself is not that impressive, but I think the process is somewhat impressive. He did get credited with a big-time throw when he scrambled around and then eventually ended up finding McKinnon for that first touchdown. He did get credited with a big-time throw when he he scored the, the long, long touchdown, which is an amazing play by him to step up in the pocket, look downfield, and uh, and throw it down there to to beat J.C. Jackson, who kind of had this outside leverage. So it was a pretty it was a pretty great play by him on that one. So we gave him credit there. You know, he's getting the credit to Justin Watson on that long touchdown for the big time throw. Now, one that we don't give him credit for because there's a little bit of a blown coverage type of situation here is the long pass to Travis Kelsey and the pass itself. I mean, Kelsey is wide open you could not be more wide open than Kelsey is on this play so I get it why it's not rated as a big time throw because of just how ridiculously wide open Kelsey is on this it's not a difficult throw by any stretch Um, but the reason that I think he might you know maybe should get a little bit more credit on some of these is that when he's making the play, he has to, you know, step up, move around. He's kind of negotiating his way for a very, very long time in the pocket and then is able to eventually find Kelsey, who makes a big play out of it. It's not something that just happens um, without him being able to do that stuff before the throw. So that's, you know, if you want to quibble about it, that would be the place to quibble. That would be the place to say, hey, Patrick Mahomes maybe doesn't deserve a 62 passing grade, which he had in this game, maybe deserve something. This this is subject to review, by the way, these grades. A 62, 63 passing grade like he does in this game, he deserves something a little bit higher. But I think it's hard to argue in this game that he had a great game. Now, Herbert, on the other hand, I think he had a pretty great game, but we did hit him with a turnover worthy play near the end of the game where he just threw it into a bunch of coverage on third and six after 
the apparent rib injury. We'll see how bad the, the injury was there. So he only ended up having like a 63 grade too. I think he played much, much better than that. And that would probably be, in my opinion, something you could quibble with a bit more than even looking at the Mahomes grade in this game. Now, as far as this ended up playing out, both teams were over expectation passing the ball, which I did not expect coming into this game for the Chiefs. Not that I wouldn't endorse it, but for the Chiefs, I thought they would try to run the ball. I thought the Chargers being dead last in rushing efficiency, rushing success rate defensively last year. And while they held the Raiders to only 60 yards rushing last week, it was really a function of the fact that they got up multiple scores and the Raiders didn't run the ball. They only ran the ball 13 times. Uh, Josh Jacob did have 57 yards on 10 carries, so they weren't extremely efficient stopping the run last week. And the Chiefs did run early, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was efficient running the ball. He was adding pretty massive uh, expected points added per play, especially when we consider the fact that he is running the ball versus passing, and running just has a, a lower expected amount than you would assume when you're going to be be passing the ball. So they did run the ball well outside of the third and one that they failed to convert with Nicole Hardman. Uh, Edwards Hilaire was ad- averaging about half a point per play. I mean, he had a huge play at the end, that 50-yard run, but even before that, he was doing well. The Chiefs opened up the game, rushing the ball five out of their first seven plays. And then it just kind of all went away. And what was the reason that it went away? And this goes into the, you know, people who say you got to run the ball a lot and how that's successful, it still comes down to converting on third down, especially if you're running the ball a lot. And that first game that the Chiefs played, where they were getting blitzed all the time, they decided just to pass the ball in these in these situations, facing a lot of cover three. They know how to dissect that offensively. They didn't they didn't go to third down. They had sixty something plays, and they had third down. They went to third down eight times during that entire game because they were converting so often on first and second down. And it's really tough to convert often on first and second down if you're running the ball. So then what you're leaving it to is you're leaving it to the quarterback normally, because unless it's third and one or third and two, you're passing the ball most of the time. You're leaving it to the quarterback to then convert shorter third downs when you're running the ball. And the Chiefs just couldn't convert. We're having difficulty converting early, difficulty converting late. They were four of 12 on third down in this game which keeps them down. And they have been consistently since Patrick Mahomes has been there, the best team in the NFL at converting over expectation on third down. It didn't happen in this game. So that's one area where you could say they struggled overall, but a lot of the times it's a make or miss league, not for three pointers like the NBA, but on third down, what ends up happening. The, the Chargers also struggled five of 16 on third down, but they were four of four on fourth down. But What everyone's talking about today is not the four times that the Chargers made it when they went for it on fourth down, but the many times, especially two times, they had the ball in Kansas City territory on the 47 and the 48 on fourth and two where they decided to punt. That's what a lot of people are talking about because our savior, our king, our the nerds love him more than anyone else last year when he was spitting in the face of football consensus, going for it left and right, uh, going for it on fourth and seven in weird situations in the first game against Kansas City that ends up being successful, but then also going for it in the second game against Kansas City where it wasn't successful 
and he was getting pillared in the media about about that. Brandon Staley didn't go for it a couple of times here, and we don't exactly know what happened. Well, he's going to explain it to us right here. Give our, our defense a chance to compete. I really love the way we were playing. Um, I felt like that was the formula to flip the field there. Um, you know, I felt like we were aggressive when we needed to be tonight. Um, you know, we converted all four of our fourth downs, but just felt like, you know, with who's over there um, and the way our defense was playing, uh, I felt like the field position would be a big edge for our defense to be able to pin them back there. And, um, you know, I, I like the way our defense competed tonight. Okay. He hit um, football guy bingo right there with all of the different terminology there. We had the way our defense was playing. We had pinned them back. We had flipped the field. Oh, my God, flipped the field. Whew, that's, a, that's a tough one. Um, the reason I don't like these things like flip the field is it's just meaningless, right? Like, let's talk about the actual particulars here. Flipping the field in and of itself doesn't, like, explain why, why you're doing something. Um, we're talking about two offenses, two of the best offenses in the NFL. But let's let's dig into some of this more, what's happening with Staley. I don't know if he's just throwing out these, you know, your normal talking points, coaching talking points on this, what he really believes, what he didn't believe on this. But um, when you look at the numbers in this game, the Chargers, again, they went for it four times on fourth down. Some of the times were basically they had to, like near the end of the game. But the times they chose not to go for it, they lost about 14% win probability in aggregate. Again, there was a couple of times where there was about two and a half, three 3% win probability gained on a couple of plays where they didn't go for it on Kansas City's side of the field. So let me dissect the statement from Staley again. Uh, the point that he hit twice, and I think is probably the most confused and uh, incorrect talking point. I mean, the other ones are meaningless, like flip the field, pin them back are meaningless, but the only one that hints into what his actual thinking might have been is the way our defense was was playing. So the thought process, I'll try to get into the head, uh, try to steel man the argument here for the other side of this before going into why I believe that it does not hold water. The steel man argument here is you're playing so well defensively and presumably you have a lead or it's a close game that you believe you can kick it, stop them, and then get the ball back basically in an advantageous situation already for yourself. Whereas if you go for it and you don't make it, even if you stop them defensively in the middle of the field, or if you're able to stop them after 10 or 20 yards of being gained, you're either going to get the ball back in a disadvantage, disadvantageous situation, you know, a punt where you're right near the goal line, potentially, or the other team is going to kick a field goal, which would have been zero points because you would have stopped them 10 or 15 yards, uh, you know, on the other side in their own end zone. So they wouldn't even have a chance to kick a field goal there. And then you're going to get the ball back having given up three points. So that's the, our defense is, is playing well. Well, I mean, the problem is from an expected points and even a win probability perspective, whether you're giving the ball, unless you can like say you're definitively going to pin the team down on the one, two, maybe three yard line and severely impact the offense's ability to be efficient with those first couple of plays. 
and you know potentially get yourself an exp- explosive type of defensive play like a safety unless you you know that's going to happen and it doesn't happen as often as i think teams think it's going to happen when they're punting from the you know 47 48 of their opponents something like that unless that happens you're not really making a big difference whether they have it near the end zone whether they have it in midfield as far as what they're adding in their scoring and their expected points there not really a huge difference there. If your defense is playing well, either way, you'll stop them that much more often at midfield. And then again, unless you're getting pinned down into the one yard line, which doesn't happen as often as team thinks on, on the opponent's punt, you'll be in good situation there. What it's really about, and he mentions them going four for four on fourth down, the real lever that's going to affect team's decisions as to whether to go for it or not. And it's very important in this particular game is how good is your offense? That's what really matters. How high is your probability of converting that fourth down? That is the key. That is really the key there. Because most of the time what we're talking about here is if you have a good chance of converting, that's what, you know, being fourth and one versus being fourth and four, just naturally every team has a higher chance of converting. That's why you go for it so much more often there. But if you have a really, really good team, a fourth and two for you becomes a must go for it situation, whereas it wouldn't be for the other team. And while the offense wasn't playing great, I told you the offense was being consistently efficient when they were moving. The offense is going to tell you to go for it over and over and over again more often than it would be for other teams. That's why it's more justifiable what Staley was doing last year going for it so much because they have that offense, because they have Herbert, because they have an offense where you're going to be passing it a lot of the times on these longer fourth downs that you feel you feel like success and conversion rates are naturally going to be higher. Now, on the flip side of things, we kind of let Andy Reid a little off the hook in this game a lot because of the fact that they won the game. But if you look at the win probability lost on fourth down decisions and Kansas city did not go for a single fourth down. Okay. If you have Patrick Mahomes and that offense, I know they struggled a bit in this game, but generally if you have Patrick Mahomes, that offense and you're facing a lot of third and fourth down at third and fourth downs, there shouldn't be any game where you're not going for it at least once at some point. I mean, they didn't go for it fourth and goal from the one yard line and instead kicked a field goal where it would have been an eight, nine win probability gain there all alone. So the chiefs gave up actually more win probability, almost 23% in win probability, not going for it. I mean, some of these are in circumstances where only the most aggressive coaches are going to go for it. Like being down by three points and you're on your own 30 something, 40 something yard line. And it's fourth and one or fourth and two. Like, if you have the Chiefs offense, you should be going for those circumstances. I don't expect Reed to be doing that. But he also didn't go for it fourth and one from the one-yard line. Instead, did a chip shot field goal. Um, but again, we, we've kind of given up. We've, we've given up We've given up on Andy Reed um, in this particular game. Now, the, the other thing I don't like about the way our defense is playing, and this goes into other types of thinking of like the way our offense is playing Um, the thought of, you know, we just got blown up the last time we tried to run the ball because our left guard is struggling, blocking someone, those sorts of things is it's kind of a recency bias. It's too, you're too affected by what has happened recently. Now it could be the case 
that Staley's defense, this Chargers defense, really just had the Chiefs' number and would have continued to have their number out to infinity. If you played this game an infinite number of times, uh, you know they're just going to continue to hold down this Chiefs' offense relative to how the Chiefs' offense normally plays. Maybe that's true. But the more likely scenario is when you're facing a great offense is when that offense is struggling, it's a temporary phenomenon. And it could last an entire game. It could last an entire game. But that doesn't mean that at any point during that game, you should be certain that it will continue going forward. Let me give you a couple of examples if you want to say, you know, my defense is playing well. So therefore, I'm going to assume it's going to continue going forward. I mean, no more than look at a couple of different Chiefs performances in the playoffs last year. Uh, In the wild card game against the Steelers, in the first quarter of that game, just look at Patrick Mahomes. Let's look at Patrick Mahomes' stats. He was averaging in 13 plays in that first quarter, negative 0.6 EPA, which is just like god-awful. And he had negative 17 completion percentage over expectation. So he was he, he couldn't couldn't hit any passes, wasn't doing well. So at that point in time, the Steelers might say, hey, you know, what we got going on here, it's, it's looking pretty good. You know, we got a quarter here. Maybe we should assume that we're going to be able to hold him down for a while. Well, that didn't end up happening. He finished the game after destroying them the rest of the game at a positive 0.5 EPA per play, which is like double MVP type of numbers, and uh, 10% completion percentage over expectation. So the stability that you should know is you should more expect the offense to revert back to what it's normally going to be, regress back to that number, than count too much on what your defense has done so far. The flip side of that being against the Bengals, right? If you would have said Patrick Mahomes in that first half, he was averaging 0.6 EPA per play. He was 23% completion percentage over expectation. And then in the second half, he was negative 0.7 EPA and he was 26% under expectation. So you just can't count on results to continue in that way. And that recency bias can affect you in in two different ways. One, assuming your defense is going to continue to be good when it has been good in the past. Two, assuming your offense might continue to struggle when you've had trouble converting. But that wasn't really that second point doesn't really apply to Staley in this particular game. Um, One other decision that we should probably hit on. Actually, before I hit on another decision. We're going to ad read here. I don't, I, I, don't, I don't want to lose my ad reads before I start getting into some other stuff here. So let's talk DraftKings really fast. Uh, one of the decisions does go into the fact that putting Herbert back in the game, getting the uh, the cover there for those Chargers better. So, hey, DraftKings, you know, it's the second week of the NFL season. Get ready for even bigger and better wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team. And if your team leads by 10 points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code PFF, only a DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See description for details. And also, fantasy football, guys. If you're out there now, PFF has an app. Go get the fantasy football advice. Start set information. Everything else that's available for the 2022 season. Check it out right now in the App Store. 
PFF app with all of that information for you. Okay, another decision is the decision to put Herbert back into the game. It seems like, at least from Staley's post-press conference, that he says Herbert's okay. So maybe Herbert is okay. Um, But it looked rough. It looked rough when he was first in there. Again, he got that turnover-worthy play because I feel like on the third and six, uh, he was like, fuck it. I do not want to get hit again <laughs> on this one. I'm just going to my first read, and I'm going to throw it to uh, Mike Williams over the middle, whether or not he's triple teamed. I'm just going to do it there. Um, and then, you know, it was a third and one play later where he was – he potentially could have actually scrambled for it, and he just kind of tossed the ball away before eventually then throwing a laser down the field. Um to DeAndre Carter to to convert that first down. So what was it? Let's talk about decision-making process on that. Again, we don't have all the injury information. We'll find out more about what's going on with Herbert after this here. But at that point in time when Herbert was put back into the game, after that drive where he got he got injured, he was put back into the game at that point, there's a 95% win probability for the Chiefs. Actually thought that it might be higher, more like 98%. But at 95, it's actually, I kind of get why they might be putting Herbert back into this game. Because 95% win probability happens a lot. And one out of 20 times, now it's not the most, right? A 5% chance is one out of 20 times. But still, one out of 20 times, that would be like one game. You know, it's a 17-game season. One out of 20 times, you could come back and win. Now, if Herbert was so compromised that the actual win probability here is more like 99%, then yeah, don't don't put him back into the game. One out of 100 times is not worth it. One out of 20 times, maybe you can get close to it being worth it. But the thing that killed me about Staley again in some of these decisions is what you needed in this circumstance, down by 10, you needed a score, a touchdown, most likely. I mean, you could, if you get stalled out, you could do the kick the field goal and then touchdown later, but I don't think that was going to happen. But you need a touchdown, then you need a field goal. And depending upon whether or not you go for two on the touchdown, if you don't go for two on the touchdown, you kick the extra point, then you're going to need to win in overtime as a slight underdog on the road, not a massive underdog. So, but you are an underdog, which play which plays towards wanting to win in regulation. And what really plays towards wanting to win in regulation well, onside kick too. I forgot to do the onside. <laughs> Got to do the onside kick. There's a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff that has to go right. Um, that's why I think 95 might actually be underestimating the Chiefs' win probability at that point. But as far as the decision on whether to go for the two point conversion or not, it was a it's a no brainer in my opinion for them that they should have gone for the two point conversion then. Uh, I mean, not only are you just avoiding overtime as an underdog, you're avoiding overtime with Herbert being injured a lot potentially so you have a good offense which means you should have even a higher than maybe 50 percent chance of converting the two-point conversion because then in that circumstance you go for it you get the you go for the two-point conversion you you convert you get the onside kick you kick the field goal you just win the game and you're done you don't have to come back for overtime herbert doesn't have to come back all that stuff doesn't happen again even if you don't get it You get the onside kick, and I think there was about a minute left in the game. You can still try for that touchdown. Try really hard. You know you need the touchdown. You're trying super hard to get into that end zone. Again, winning in regulation. You don't even have the option of stalling out and kicking a field goal to go to overtime. It's really almost a no-brainer, I think, considering 
just generally in that situation to go for two, but especially considering Herbert's condition and having to come back in overtime, that really made absolutely no sense to me. And we're talking about small edges here as far as win probability is concerned. When your win probability is really, really low to start off with, you know, enhancing a 2% win probability by half a percent is a big deal if you only have a 2% chance of winning anyway. So that just seemed like a no-brainer and even more of a no-brainer. Again, I don't know... There was a lot of vibes feel to how Staley was making decisions last year. And maybe there's just a lot more of that vibe thing going on. And we've had a vibe shift in Los Angeles in Chargers headquarters here uh, that's explaining this. But again, it should have been someone, if he's being told by the analytics people, should have been, in my opinion, a no-brainer to go for two at the end of the game, which he did not do and did not seem to really make any sense for me. Uh, But, you know, the bigger, large, you know, large scale picture that we're talking about here for this game is what does it mean for these teams going forward? How are we going to think about these teams going forward? I mean, it's massively negative for the Chargers that they had a game in Kansas City where they were the underdog that they should have won. They were pretty clearly the better team, in my opinion. And the fact that they don't get that win puts them behind the eight ball a little bit. I mean, not as much. The, the Chiefs would have been really behind the eight ball behind for the Chargers because they would have lost their home game to the Chargers here. And they have a tougher schedule than the Chargers this season, having that first place schedule this season. They really would have been in trouble. So the Chargers could have really put them in a bad position where they would have had a loss and they would have had at least the semi tiebreaker. Eventually, they'd have to play again. Uh, in Los Angeles, but still you have the home game where you can double up on them and get the tiebreaker and potentially get two games up on them by winning that game. And the rest of the division, again, the division that's supposed to be this gauntlet to go through, they already beat the Raiders last week. So the Raiders don't have a win and the Broncos lost to the Seattle Seahawks in a very, very winnable game that they should have won. I mean, it would have been a huge jump. The, The chance that the Chargers win the division if they would have pulled it off last night would have been over like you would have already been the you know plurality the over 50 percent the majority of the time they're going to now win the division going forward even though we're only a couple of games into the season it would have been that big for them they're not out of it by any stretch here and that's not the problem with them losing the game the problem with this losing this game the game is they didn't take a large step out in front of the rest of everyone else that would have been huge absolutely huge for them in this game. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about what the Chargers did defensively. If we're going to talk about, again, I'm not certain that it's going to always work going forward. Um, But outside of a few big plays, they were very, very successful on what they did defensively. If you look just at the numbers, I think there's a little little bit deceiving when you see that Mahomes uh, was blitzed on 28% of his passes. That's a little bit above what you'd expect uh, versus how Mahomes is normally played. Now, it's nothing like what the Cardinals did last week and blitzed them over 50% of the time, and they just carved them up. Um, But what the Chargers were doing as part of their blitzes is not only were they blitzing and bringing a fifth person sometimes and being successful, but they were successful more often than you would have thought with that fifth blitzer because so often they were doing simulated pressures and not coming. In other words, 
they were lining five, sometimes six guys up, uh, lining guys up in the A-gaps right there in in the front a couple of times also, and then dropping guys out, dropping defensive linemen out, and then bringing linebackers or just dropping the linebackers out, making every single time that the offensive line for the Chiefs, all the different protections they're going to have to have in their minds like a series of almost if-else statements in their minds. Okay, if this guy goes, then I'm going to do this. But then if this happens, I'm going to do that. You know, when you bring in these extra guys in, you just make it more complicated. They didn't do what I thought they might do is just say, we have Khalil Mack, we have Joey Bosa. Let's just let them pin their ears back, go around the side. Let's have the linebackers be a little bit more ready to potentially stop the run if the Chiefs turn to the run. And we're going to have a couple of big guys in the middle, including uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and and others that they signed to help them stop the run. That'll help us in that circumstance. And then we'll sit back, keep everything in front of us um, and play that way. They didn't do that. And it seemed to work. And I don't know if it was just an off night for Mahomes and his offensive line's ability to diagnose what was going on with the simulated pressures or whether that's a real, real issue. I mean, if we look at the pass protection grades, and again, Mahomes only took one sack and it was fairly early and it looked like on the play, he thought that there was going to be a hot sort of route that didn't end up happening. So again, we have like masters here in this game, Herbert and Mahomes had not taken sacks. Herbert did take two sacks, but you know, he dropped back 50 times. So, you know, one sack every 25 times he dropped back is not that bad. Only uh, one sack for Mahomes on this one. But when it comes to pass protection here, and I think this is what you're going to have to look at for the Chiefs offensive line, is that I think they're just a better, and they grade better already, uh, run-blocking offensive line than a pass-protecting offensive line. Uh, Orlando Brown had a 40 grade in this. He gave up two pressures. Uh, he was beaten by the defender four different times. So that kind of shows you like he's getting beaten by the defender four times. He's only giving up two pressures because Mahomes knows how to get rid of the ball quickly. And one hit was caused uh, because of that. And the backs were bad. Uh, I guess McKinnon blew a a block, which ended up being bad. And so did uh, Pacheco blew a block too there. The rest of the guys were okay on the line, but you know, you're not always going to face Bosa and, and uh, Khalil Herbert. So I get it, but not not great there, too. Now, the Chargers offensive line also struggled, so that's why it was impressive for Herbert to be getting rid of the ball as much as he want. They, they blitz at about a similar type of rate as um, the Chiefs blitz at a similar type of rate as the Chargers, around 25%, so not too often. But they were able to get pressure on there, especially um, Matt Feller, the guard there. Chris Jones just was taking his lunch the second half of that game in particular. I mean, Jones ended up with the highest graded player in the game in a 91.8 grade. He had two sacks, four hurries, and six pressures in that game all by himself. And I think part of it was, although Zion didn't grade, Zion Johnson, the first round pick for the Chargers, didn't grade great either. Uh, I think part of it was switching him off of uh, his positioning, off of off of Johnson, Zion Johnson, over to Matt Feller, ended up being a huge gain for them. Uh, talking about Bosa and Mack, Five and four pressures for them. So they did get pressure, but again, Mac got the one sack. But other than that, they weren't able to convert any of those. Uh, Bosa got a couple of hits and Mac got the one sack. So they graded well. They graded high. Orlando Brown probably did not help his impending free agency 
Uh, he probably wasn't worth more than the contract, honestly, that was being offered to him by the Chiefs. But I do think the Chiefs have to be a little bit worried about that, the protection in the fact that if, they, if they're not able to run the ball and convert on third down, sometimes uh, Mahomes' performance is going to be a little compromised by what's happening as far as the pass protection there. Now, coverage, J.C. Jackson, he got burnt. He got burned on the long touchdown, so he's going to get hit there in the numbers. Gave up seven catches for 79 yards. Um, They were effective against Kelsey, and I think that was the thing that you wanted to see. You wanted to see whether these ridiculous on-off splits, as far as Kelsey only averaging five catches and 50 yards in games where Derwin James has played versus just completely dominating when James hasn't been there. We're going to continue this this time. And if you look at James, uh, he was he was targeted in coverage six times, gave up four catches. So that's not great, but only 20 yards. So not so bad there. Asante Samuel Jr., their rookie from last year, he had that drop near, so near interception that he did not end up getting. But actually two dropped interceptions in this game. So he was the highest graded player on the back end there. And what's interesting, the Chiefs, you know, they just like piece together these dudes. Not only do we have Jalen Watson, who's the sixth round rookie, uh, but they lost, you know, Tredarius Ward, who was their best coverage player last year. They lose Honey Badger, all this stuff here. And they were okay. I mean, they weren't great, I would say, on the back end, but they were pretty good for the fact that you're going up against Justin Herbert and you're going against this matchup. So I think it was a good game for the Chiefs defense, despite the fact that, the Chargers were successful playing playing the game, but not as successful as you would have hoped for. And a great game for the Chargers defense that will, you know, help help them out in the future, but you really, really, really could have used this particular win. All right, that's that's most of what I got here for for this game, for the review here. If you have any more questions, concerns. Oh, actually, no, one thing I want to mention here for fantasy heads, anyone who's tracking, uh, I was kind of thinking that. Nicole Hardman might start to have his snap count lowered, lower and lower. Um, and he is still clearly third in his snap count behind uh, MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster. But basically, um, Sky Moore was in the play for one, was, was in the game for one play. And it was whistled. Uh, he had one offensive play, I believe, maybe two. Uh, I'm not seeing the second one here, maybe two offensive plays, but that was, that was really it for him. So the sky more on a short week, maybe has something to do with it. I thought he might improve upon his seven. The fact that he ran seven routes week one, which was kind of not so great and get even further down the line, but it doesn't seem so it doesn't seem that's going to happen. So that's something to watch going forward. And I'll, I'll hint on Kelsey too, you know, five catches, 51 yards. He had a, a good long catch once, but you know, they definitely did a good job. So if that formula continues, if Derman James can stay healthy for once, that's going to be pretty big going forward. I guess I'll hint on the fact that Mike Williams with Keenan Allen out. I didn't think Keenan Allen was going to be a huge deal being out in this game. Maybe it did affect some things that the Chargers were able to do. But Williams, after having a poor week one, came up eight catches, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Big, big numbers there. Uh, Palmer didn't do too much, but at least he was able to step in there. And I think what's interesting about Herbert being that he's like this computer back there and how he plays and who he throws to and this is somewhat true of Mahomes too like making the big play to Justin Watson is as long as you have guys who are running where they're supposed to be running like DeAndre Carter uh Gerald Everett doing what he's supposed to be doing uh there then he'll find you and he'll be able to play and he'll be able to be successful there um 
So that's a really unique and great thing for the Chargers is even if someone goes down like Keenan Allen, they're going to have they have enough depth there and they have Herbert who will just find the right guy at all times. I mean, Herbert, I mean, Gerald Everett had another 71 yards here. Big season for him so far um, at all times. All right, everybody, if you enjoyed the review, please let me know in the comments if you want to rate and review the pod on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever the hell they call it now, go ahead and do so. I will be coming back at you Monday and Tuesday mornings to review. The Monday was a little too much for me. Solo pod doing all the games. So I'm going to split it up a little bit here. I'm going to go by AFC, NFC, CBS. I'm going to, whatever CBS games, because, you know, they always have an AFC team in their games. That's going to be like the Monday will be the CBS games plus Sunday night football. And then Tuesday morning, I'll review the two Monday night football games and everything that happened in the NFC games, better known as the Fox games there. Uh, Suggestions, anything else you want to see from me, please let me know in the comments. Otherwise, I appreciate so much everyone tuning in and listening to this. Have a great weekend of football, second week of the season, and enjoy yourselves. I know I will. Thanks so much, guys.